Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. Our gospel lesson for this morning and the sermon text comes from the Gospel of John. We're going to be in the 17th chapter. We're going to take a look at verses 20 through 26. So again, this is John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. Hear now the words of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. I do not ask for these only but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name. And I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Well, friends, today is Heidi and mine's 23rd wedding anniversary. I know you're applauding out of sympathy for her, so we appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you very much. But it's on this date in 1999 that she and I walked down the aisle at Mount Tabor United Methodist Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and said our I do's and became husband and wife. And while it is fun to look back on the ways that our relationship together as a married couple has come across certain milestones, marriage and having kids and careers and change of careers and moving and that kind of stuff. This week I started thinking back to how and where it all began. Many of you know that our daughter Caroline will be enrolling in the fall as a freshman at Carolina, and that's where Heidi and I both attended college and where we met each other. This week, she got her dorm assignment. So now we know where she's going to live and who she's going to be living with. And that information, coupled with a bunch of other stuff we've been getting throughout the weeks, has kind of caused my mind to drift back to my time there. And this week, because it is our anniversary today, my mind drifted back to the fall of 1993 and the week of Halloween. That's when we met. And how we met, I think, is kind of interesting in that the dorm that I was living in that week of Halloween in its basement put on a haunted house to raise money for the J.C. Byrne unit out at UNC Hospital. Well, a guy that lived on my hall was dating Heidi's roommate at the time, and he was in charge of lining up tour guides to take people throughout the haunted house. So he asked his girlfriend, and of course asked his girlfriend's roommate, 
which is how Heidi and I then met. And oftentimes think about if it not had been for that particular event or him dating her roommate with a campus as large as Carolina's, how long would it have taken for us to cross paths with one another? That was a few months into freshman year, but we actually didn't start dating until a month or two before we graduated our senior year, which was probably a good thing because it allowed me to mature a little bit during those intervening four years. But we dated for a year, we were engaged for a year, and then we got married. And over the course of these past 23 years, I don't think it's a stretch to say that we've had many, many more good times than we have had bad and many, many more joys than we have had sorrows. But a relationship like ours, or any relationship for that matter, doesn't last as long as ours has unless there is a desire on both sides to be in it. A willingness on both sides to grow, to change, to adapt, to seek help when needed, to admit when he might be wrong, to stay in constant contact with one another. Fact is, if one desires to be in a relationship and the other does not desire to be in a relationship, that relationship is not going to be healthy. That relationship is not going to last. There has to be buy-in or desire on both sides for it to be successful. And our relationship with God, friends, is no different. It also starts with desire. Take a look at verse 24. It says this, Father, I desire, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Now real quick, last week you and I talked about the fact that in the Gospel of John, chapters 14 through 17 make up what is referred to as Jesus' farewell discourse. All the events you read about there take place on the night of the Last Supper after Judas has left, but before Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to be arrested. Roughly what it is is his last words to the gathered eleven, the things he wants to make sure that they know. Then once we get to chapter 17, chapter 17 is referred to as Jesus' priestly prayer. It's a prayer that he says aloud before God, and it must have been within earshot of the disciples, or else we wouldn't have the text of it, would we? The prayer is broken into three parts. In the first part, Jesus prays for himself, that he had the strength to do God's will. The second part of the prayer, he prays for his disciples, all that he's been able to gather into the flock during the time that he walked the earth. And then, the last part of the prayer, the verses that you and I just read together, he prays for all disciples that would come after his ascension into heaven. Guess who that includes? Us. Us. You and me. Did you realize that you were going to be mentioned in scripture this morning when you got up and came to worship? He may not be mentioned by name, but he is very much, Jesus is, praying for everybody in this sanctuary and everybody watching this morning. If you believe in Jesus, then Jesus is praying for you this morning. So Jesus, yes, is praying for us, and he says that his desire, his want, his wish, his yearning, his preference is for you and I to be with him where he is. 
Jesus wants you to be with him in paradise. Raise your hand if you believe in Jesus. All right? Well, he wants you to be with him in paradise. And friends, I cannot think of anything more beautiful, more touching, more full of sweet and unspeakable comfort than these words from our Lord and Savior. Listen to what our friend J.C. Ryle says about it. He says, we do not see Christ now. We read of him, hear of him, believe in him, and rest our souls in his finished work. But even the best of us, at our best, walk by faith and not by sight. And our poor, halting faith often makes us walk very feebly in the way to heaven. There shall be an end of all this state of things one day. We shall at length see Christ as he is and know as we have been known. We shall behold him face to face and not through a glass darkly. We shall actually be in his presence and company and go out no more. If faith has been pleasant, much more will sight be. And if hope has been sweet, much more will certainty be. No wonder that when St. Paul has written, we shall ever be with the Lord, that he adds, comfort one another with these words. We know little of heaven now. Our thoughts are all confused when we try to form an idea of a future state in which pardoned sinners shall be perfectly happy. But we may rest ourselves on the blessed thought that after death we shall be with Christ. Christ desires for us to be with him in paradise. But remember our conversation of a little bit earlier about happy, healthy, loving, strong relationships. The desire to be with one another has to be what? Return. It has to be reciprocal. It has to be on both sides. There has to be this desire, this wanting, this longing on both sides. So while, yes, friends, Jesus tells us of his desire to have every single one of us with him in paradise, the question that all of us have to answer for ourselves is, do we desire to be with him? And you say, well, that's a silly question. I mean, I'm sitting here this morning, aren't I? To which I say, hey, congrats. But your presence here this morning does not answer the question. Do you desire to be with him? Matthew 7, 21, 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And then Luke 13, 25 says, Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you. Or where you come from. Do you desire to be with him? How much of your desire for heaven is simply a longing to be free from trouble? And how much of it is a desire for the presence of Christ? Let me ask you another question. Would you rather have Jesus speak to you or pray for you? Would you rather have Jesus speak to you or pray for you? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because if you take this farewell discourse all the way from chapter 14 through 17, first you do have Jesus speaking to the disciples. 
And then you have Jesus praying for the disciples. Which do you like better? Because, friend, I'm here to tell you, I think it has got to be a both and. It cannot be either or. If you come to a complete knowledge and understanding of all that Jesus teaches, but are unwilling to come to him in prayer, in repentance, to seek his forgiveness for life's stumbles, to seek his help as the great intercessor before God, to strengthen us to live lives that he wants us to live, to do the things that he asks us to do. Or if you think that all the things in your life, I don't need to take any of them to Jesus because they're either too big or too small or too scary or too dark or too embarrassing, then, friend, I'm not sure that you'll see paradise because in your heart, Jesus is not Lord. If he was, you would have no reservations in coming to him and emptying your heart to him in prayer. I've mentioned before that there was a dear saint in my prior appointment who used to always say that the distance between heaven and hell is 12 inches. And that's the distance between your head and your heart. And friend, I don't care how much you have up in your noggin. If you don't feel it in your heart and soul, and if you aren't humble enough to approach the throne and ask Jesus in prayer to strengthen you, to help you, to show his will to you, to guide your path, to be Lord of every part of your life, then friends, I'm not sure your desire for paradise is what you think it is. Likewise, if you're using your prayers to Jesus and from Jesus and his offer of mercy and peace as your ticket to heaven and you don't listen to or absorb or try to live by what he teaches us? That's the cheap grace that Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about. Here's how he describes it. Cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Christ Jesus, living and incarnate. Is that you this morning? Friends, our desire for paradise has to be buttressed by wanting Jesus to both speak to us and pray for us. It's the head and the heart together, knowing and feeling and believing that Jesus is Lord. As Wesleyans, what that means for us is whether our desire is to be an almost Christian or to be an altogether Christian. What's the difference? Well, an almost Christian lives an outwardly Christian life. But the altogether Christian adds to this love of God and neighbor and genuine faith, trust, and confidence in God's love for them through the merits of Christ Jesus. Here's what our guy John Wesley says about this. He says, The right and true Christian faith is not only to believe that Holy Scripture and the articles of our faith are true, but also to have a sure trust and confidence to be saved from everlasting damnation by Christ. It is a sure trust and confidence which a man has in God that by the merits of Christ his sins are forgiven and he is reconciled to the favor of God. Whoever has this faith which purifies the heart by the power of God, who dwells this therein and keeps him from pride, anger, desire, all unrighteousness, from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, and fills his heart with love stronger than death both to God and to all mankind, whoever has this faith 
is not almost only, but altogether a Christian. Friends, Christ desires that we join him in paradise. Do we truly desire the same? And do we show it by our hearts, our words, our actions, our thoughts? Do we have that love for God, for neighbor, for our enemies, for ourselves that Jesus speaks of? Do we truly want Jesus to both speak to us and pray for us? Is our desire for heaven that desire to be in his presence? Is Jesus, friend, Lord of your life? I've said it often from up here that I think my job is to try to make heaven as crowded as it can be. But I can't do it for you. It has to be a decision that you make for yourself. I preached at a funeral a couple months ago back in Camden where I was reminded that the person that passed away on my last Sunday in that appointment told me, she said, Pastor Mark, if anybody in this church goes to hell, it's not your fault. <laughs> and I thought about that. And what she meant was that the choice between heaven and hell is a personal one that each of us has to make for ourselves. Yeah, I can try to point you in the right direction. But friend, I can't save you. And I can't condemn you. But the one that desires for you to be with him can and will. And if you've not made that decision yet, friend, please do, because soon, soon it'll be too late. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.